I'd, uh, I'd love to pray as we, we, we jump into the message today, but before I do that, I want to let you know if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you. My name is Aaron, and I get the privilege of serving as our next gen director at our Richmond campus, and I love what we get to do. Yeah, you can give it a clap for that. And I, I'm just so humbled to be here with you today. And, and at the same time, I'm incredibly excited to see what God does in this room. I have prayed, I have fasted for this message, and I really believe God wants to speak to every person in this room in a special and a unique way. So would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. I pray that you would guide me, you would lead me, and it would be your words out of my mouth and not my own. God, I pray that you'd prepare the hearts of every person in this room. Jesus, I pray for the person that, that does not know you. I pray that by the end of our time today, they would make the decision to place their faith in you and receive full forgiveness of their sins. God, I thank you for today. And last but not least, I pray that we have fun in the meantime. I pray that we just enjoy our time, that we leave feeling like a million bucks. So it is in your name we pray, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, statistics show that if I show you a picture of my family, uh, you're more likely to listen to me. Um, and truthfully, I'm not sure if that statistic is true or not. I hear it in a bunch of communication classes, but uh, I took Mother's Day pictures this year for my wife, and I paid good money for them. So I thought of no better way to get my money's worth than show hundreds of people all at once. So, so here's a picture of my family in a second. There it is. That's my beautiful wife, Amber. Uh, we will be celebrating four years of marriage this Thursday. Very excited. The, the little guy that she's holding, that is Shepard Ames. He's our five-month-old baby. He's, he's finally getting his personality. He's smiling. He's giggling. And we're just having the black, most amazing time with him. And the little guy on my shoulders, uh, that is Coven Rye. That is K-O-V-E-N, Coven Rye. Um, he's about to be two at the end of this uh, month or at the end of June. And uh, my mom calls him our, uh, our Sour Patch Kid, our Sour Patch Kid. I don't know if anybody has that, that kid in their family, but the, the really sweet one moment and uh, a sour another moment. And you don't really know which moment you're going to get. Like, they might come and, and be sweet and give you a hug and kiss you, and you're just like, yes, all the kisses. Or they secretly took MMA classes, and they're going to punch you as hard as they can. <laughs> And you don't know which one you're gonna get until it's too late. That, that's COVID, he's for sure not saved yet, but we're, we're praying, we're praying for that. Uh, but, but COVID's favorite word right now is no. Anybody, any parents in the room, their kid's favorite word is no. It's the worst thing in the world. It is absolutely the worst. At first it was cute, and then it, it quickly became less cute. And, uh, and he started doing it at the most inappropriate times. See, he would do it at times that would almost get me in trouble. Um, I, I remember a few weeks ago, we went to a baseball game. Um, we, Amber and I, we were just being good parents. You know, we, we said, we're going to give our boys a great experience, their first experience at a baseball game. We're good parents. That's what good parents do. So we take them to a baseball game, and, and uh, we, we're, we're at some seats, but Coven decides that he doesn't like the seats we're at. <laughs> so he starts walking down to get close to the dugout, and, and as a good parent, I said, Coven, don't do that. And Coven looked at me, and he said, No. And he kept walking. So I did again what any good parent would do, and I went after my son, and we went to the dugout, and we were watching the game, and, and I'll be honest, he was right. The seats were better at the dugout, okay? 
But out of nowhere, wouldn't you know it, Sour Patch Coven decided to make an appearance. <laughs> this little uh, toddler turns around and stares at this six foot three, uh, 250 pound, he looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's little brother. Just a behemoth of a man. He looks at him and uh, he points at him and he says, no, no, no. <laughs> and I turn around, I'm like, well, who, Coven, who are you trying to fight? And I turn around and I look at this person and I'm like, I, I do what any good parent does. And I ask the guy, do you know whose kid this is? <laughs> No, I didn't do that, but I did quickly grab him and, and, and we left. And here's, here's what I found is that it's really cute or it could even be funny when a toddler tells you no, but he becomes a lot less cute and a lot less funny when God tells you no. When it's the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God of the universe who when you say a prayer, he responds with a no or he's silent, or what we experience, or many Christians experience, and they call unanswered prayer. You see, I'm all too familiar with, with the pain that unanswered prayer brings. I know what it's like to, to get a phone call early in the morning and tell me that my grandmother has had a heart attack and that I need to pray that the doctors can save her life. And I know all too well the pain of going to my prayer closet and begging God and believing that God actually did heal her only to get a phone call two hours later that my grandmother had passed away. So instead of my, answer being prayed, answer, my prayer being answered and my grandmother here, I have a voicemail of her voice, which was not what I at all thought would be the last time I would hear her voice, unanswered prayer. I know the pain of, of praying for a friend who's an addict every day while they're in rehab. And really believing that God had set this friend free. Only to get a phone call that this same friend had relapsed. I know the pain of believing that God healed me of mental health issues and depression. To find myself writing a goodbye letter to my friends and my family while my child is in the other room sleeping. Unanswered prayer. And maybe for you, you, you it wasn't the death of a loved one and... It wasn't mental health or a friend who was an addict and they had relapsed. Maybe for you, you're, you're a lady in this room and, and you've been praying and believing that God would, would, would have you get pregnant again and, and you got pregnant again and you're just praying and asking that this time you would see the baby come to full term, but instead you have yet another miscarriage, unanswered prayer. Or maybe you're a student in the room and, and You've been begging God to heal your parents' relationship, to restore their relationship, saying, God, I pray that they would love each other again. I, I pray that you would just make the screaming stop. I pray that you would make it how it was when I was little, but instead of restoring the marriage, the divorce got finalized anyways, unanswered prayer. And here's what I know. I know that in the midst of unanswered prayer, oftentimes we're left with more questions than answers. Questions like, God, do you even hear my prayers? Questions like, God, if you really love me, why would you let this happen? Do you love me? Questions like, are, are you just too high on your pedestal to understand and to give a care about the problem that I'm walking through? Questions like, why should I even continue to pray if my prayers aren't being answered? And here's the truth. I am not wise enough. I am not gifted enough. I am not talented enough to give you an answer that would suffice 
but we are a church that believes in the word of God, that it is active and it is alive. This same word, this same Bible, it, it said is it a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. That means when we don't know what to do, we're hidden in the dark and we don't know where to go, we can rely on God's word to guide us into all truth. Come on, church, if you believe that, would you give Jesus? So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a look at scripture today to find the answers to some of these pain-filled questions. And, and I think there's a, there's a story in the Bible, it's one of the most famous stories that, that we can get some answers and, and, and point us to what the greatest gift in scripture actually is. It's found in John chapter 11, it's the story of Lazarus. It says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse three says this, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They prayed, and this wasn't a half-hearted, self-seeking request. This was a faith-filled, uh, heartfelt request, pretty much saying, Jesus, if you don't show up, I'm gonna lose my brother. He's not gonna see his nieces and his nephews grow up. He's not gonna see me get married. I'm gonna lose someone I love deeply. Jesus, I need you to show up. I wonder how many of you have been in that same place. Fast forward a few days in verse 14. We get a glimpse that Lazarus had died. It said this, Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. So they prayed, and God didn't heal. Unanswered prayer. Verse 17 says this, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. This scene paints a picture of a family grieving and mourning, and they don't know what to do. And I wonder how many of you, your past few years, have looked a lot like this. And I've just found that, that when we pray and our prayers go unanswered, it results in a lot of pain and a lot of grief. The story goes on to talk about Jesus' conversation with Martha, and it talks about his conversation with Mary. And then with the last six verses, Jesus goes on to perform arguably the greatest miracle of his life. He raises a dead, decaying man named Lazarus out from the dead and out of his grave. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Aaron, how, how can another story about someone who received their miracle help me when I didn't receive my own? And I wanted to use this story because I wanted to remind us that even though unanswered prayer is real and even though it hurts, we still serve a God who does miracles. He still sits on his throne. He still is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He still opens blinded eyes and deaf ears. He still restores marriages and he still does miracles. So I, I never want us to be a people that forget the faithfulness of God just because of the pain of our current unanswered prayer. I also wanted to use this story, and I felt led to the story because we often look at the story of Lazarus as, and we just chalk it up as another miracle story, as another story for, for cause of celebration, but that is not how the scripture laid it out. You see, the scripture talks more about the pain of the unanswered prayer than the miracle itself. In fact, there's 36 verses that talk about that unanswered prayer pain, and there's only six verses to talk about the miracle. So if the word of God put that much emphasis on that part of the story, I think you and I can learn so much from it. So today, I wanna, I wanna take uh, 
four truths from this story that pertain to unanswered prayer. And here's the truth. Three of these truths, three of these truths are meant to encourage you. They're meant to comfort you. They're, they're meant to build some faith back in you. I don't necessarily want you to do anything with these other than listen and be encouraged. But the fourth and the final truth, I believe if you embrace it, will change your life. It'll change your relationship with Jesus. It'll change how you uh, view the world. It will change everything about who you are. So here's the first, first truth, and I, I think it's found because often in unanswered prayer, we ask questions like, does God hear me? And here's the first truth is that Jesus, he hears you. Look at what verse four says. After receiving the prayer and the request from Mary and Martha, verse four says this, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. You see this word heard in the original language. It, it, it means to give an audience to. In this moment, it's almost as if Jesus sat Mary on a platform, sat down in a chair and said, you talk, I'm listening. I'm giving you my all and I'm paying attention to you. Jesus was not bothered or distracted about what was going around him with the disciples. When this prayer got in, he paid attention and he leaned in. In fact, every single time he got in a conversation with Mary and Martha in this story, not a single time did he brush them off. Not a single time that he cut them short. Not, not a single time that he, that he uh, act like he was too busy. Every single time he heard their prayer out. And I, I think there's importance in this, and I'm going to give a quick Bible lesson. The theme and the purpose of the book of John is not only to show that Jesus is a perfect human being, but, but it's to prove that he actually is God, that he actually is God in flesh. So here's the truth. This story does not paint a picture of a one-off action of Jesus. It does not paint a picture of, of a coincidence of what Jesus did. This story, in fact, displays the heart and the character of our God, that he is a God that listens. He's a God that engages with your prayers, that when you, list, when you lift up a prayer, he listens to you. Look what Psalms 18.6 says. It says, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Look what Psalm 118 says. It says this in the, in, in the NLT version. It says this, that, that I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I breathe. He bends down like a parent bends down to their child to hear the words out of their mouth. Revelation 5.8 says this, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And here's what I know. This scene might seem strange to many of us, but there is currently something happening in heaven where there's elders and creatures holding your bowls and prayers. That means God not only listened to them the day you uttered it, but he is currently listening to your prayers right now in heaven. And although we may not experience the answer to our prayer now, there is coming a day when he will redeem all things. He will redeem all tears. He will redeem all prayer. And every prayer will be yes and amen in Jesus' name. So the first truth is that he hears us. He hears us. The, the second truth, and we see it all throughout the story, is that Jesus loves you. He loves you deeply. This is what it said in the story in verse 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now verse 5, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 36 says this, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
See how he loved them. The interesting thing about why the onlookers, the Jews, noticed Jesus' love for, for Mary and Martha and Lazarus wasn't because Jesus performed a miracle. It was because he showed up and he comforted them when they needed him most. And I found in my life, when I'm walking through pain and grief, and especially through the pain and grief of unanswered prayer, Jesus displays his love through his comfort. Psalm says this, that he is close to the brokenhearted. It says this in Corinthians, that he is the God of all comfort and the Father of all mercies. First Peter 5, 7 says this, give all of your worries and your cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you deeply. And don't you ever forget that you have a God in heaven, a Father in heaven that is madly in love with you and wants to step in and comfort you when you're hurting most. The first truth is that God, he hears us. Jesus hears us. The second is that Jesus loves us. And the third truth I want to encourage us with today is that Jesus understands. Verses 32 through 35, it says this, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was troubled. Jesus responded, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord. And the shortest verse of all scripture, verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus did not look at their tears and their questions and their pain and look at them with apathy nor did he accuse them of having no faith when they had questions. In verse 33, it said that he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was troubled. That means it moved God on a personal and emotional and a spiritual level. Verse 35, it says this. It says that he wept. Although it's the shortest verse in all scripture, I think above many others, it captures the heart of our God the best. He is a God that understands Hebrews 4.15 says this, this high priest talking about Jesus of ours understands our weaknesses. He gets it. It says he understands for he faced all the same kind of testings we do, yet he did not sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need. He understands. He, he gets it. Here's what I found in my life that, that it's a little annoying when someone who doesn't get it, get it tries to get it. Uh, Amber and I, when we first had COVID, we were introduced to a whole new level of fatigue and exhaustion and tiredness. And I would come to work and I'd say things like, man, it was a rough night. I'm really tired. And some of my fellows, workers uh, who didn't have kids would say things like, yeah, man, I get it. Uh, I stayed up late last night watching Netflix. Yeah, man, I, I get it. I only got like six, seven hours of sleep. <laughs> if you're not laughing, it's because you're not a parent. <laughs> but one of my friends, he recently just had a baby, and he texted me. He said, bro, I understand now. I am so sleep-deprived. I have slurred speech. I can't even remember the last 24 hours. He tried to get it. But now he gets it. And I want to encourage you in this room today. Jesus doesn't try to get it. He gets it. He is a God that experienced all of our emotions, all of our experiences, yet without sin. That means that our God 
experience joy and laughter and friendship, but it also means that he experienced pain and grief. And in fact, he even experienced unanswered prayer. Right before he went to the garden, Jesus prayed and he said, Father, if there be any other way for me to save humanity without all of this suffering, please let it be so. Not my will, but your will be done. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know that that prayer was not answered. He experienced the pain you and I could not experience. He experienced abandonment. He experienced his best friends leaving him. He experienced physical pain. He experienced emotional pain. He experienced a a whole plethora of pain, pain you and I can't even understand. So when I say Jesus gets it, he gets it. He doesn't listen to your prayers with apathy. He doesn't listen to your questions and accuse you of no faith. He loves you and he understands. He loves you and he understands. So Jesus hears us, Jesus loves us, and Jesus understands us. And I hope up until this point, this this word has encouraged you. My encouragement is for us to continue to pray, but, but this fourth truth, I believe, will change your life. So if he hears me, if he loves me, and he understands me, why in the world aren't my prayers being answered? If he gets it, why, why isn't he answering my prayers? And the, truthfully, I, I don't know all the answers to this question. And I don't know the mystery of prayer, why God answers some prayers and doesn't, and doesn't answer others. I will leave that to you when you get back. <laughs> but I do know this, that there is a deep transformation that can happen in our heart that can only happen through unanswered prayer. And Jesus reveals this, or the Bible reveals this in his conversation with Martha. In verse 32, I'm sorry, in verse 21, it says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She was almost saying, I know. I'll see him in heaven one day, but it still hurts right now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives in me by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. Her response to Jesus' question was not about what Jesus was capable of. It was about who Jesus is. When Jesus asked her a question, she didn't respond with greater faith saying, yes, God, you will lift my brother from the dead right now. I'm going to go get a party and we're going to watch this resurrection power. No, she responded with the greater understanding of the heart and the person of Jesus. And I need us to understand this today, that that in and of itself is the greatest gift in prayer. And here's the truth Martha understood because she left after that. She almost emphatically walked off to go get her sister after understanding this truth. And it's the truth I hope all of us can get today. It's that Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is the miracle. The greatest miracle in your prayer is not the restored marriage. It is not the healed body. It is not the prodigal returning, although God wants all of these things to happen. The greatest gift in prayer is Jesus himself. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the miracle. I am everything that you need. And I found this in my life. 
And I don't, I, I couldn't find the right words for it. But through walking through unanswered prayer, walking through the pain of the passing of my grandmother, of my friend who is an addict and, and my mental health battle, I found this, that, that as long as I continue to pray, and as long as I continue to press in, although I didn't have the answers I wanted, I had everything I needed. And it got me to this point. It got me to the point that I can genuinely with confidence up here tell you that Jesus is my everything. He's my best friend. He's my helper. He's the lover of my soul. And he wants to be that for you today. Every person in this room. So I have one point of application. That is it. For every person in this room to keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying when you receive the miracle. Keep praying while you're waiting for the miracle. And keep praying while the miracle is unanswered. And watch as Jesus becomes your everything. Keep praying. He wants to be your everything. So an unanswered prayer, I, I know it's hard. Just remember that Jesus, he hears you. He loves you. He, he understands you. And, and most importantly, he is the miracle. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed. Earlier, I, just a moment, I just said that Jesus wants to be the miracle in your life. And the first step to allowing him to be your miracle and the first step to allowing him to be your everything is to begin a relationship with him. It's to place your faith in him. So if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna lead you in a moment where you can place your faith in him. You see, the Bible says that every person in this room has sinned and we have broken our relationship with God. This word sin, it's not meant to be a condemning statement, it's just the reality of our human condition that every person in this room, we have chosen our way over God's way. And to put it simply, God's way is right and it leads to life and our way is wrong and it leads to death. And we have all chosen our way. But God in his love loved you too much to let you choose the path of death and hurt and pain. So he sent his son Jesus, this same Jesus we read about today. And this Jesus, he came and he lived a perfect life, the life you and I couldn't live, but we were supposed to live. And he died a death you and I should have died, but he did not deserve. The Bible says that God raised him from the dead, giving every person full access to forgiveness of sins and right relationship with him. The Bible says this, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, pretty much saying that I've chosen my way long enough and I am making Jesus my everything and I'm doing it his way moving forward. And it says that if you will believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means you will have full forgiveness of your sins and you will be brought into a right relationship with God. You will be brought into eternal life. So in just a moment, if you're here today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, but after hearing this time together and, and hearing about what Jesus did for you, you want to place your faith in him and receive forgiveness and receive that right relationship with him. On the count of three, I'm just gonna ask that you raise your hand. I wanna know who I'm praying with. I wanna know who, who, 
who wanted to make that decision. So on the count of three, if you want to place your faith in Jesus, please slip your hand up. One, two, three. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. In this prayer, there's nothing magical about it. It's just your way of telling God the decision you just made in your heart. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in this room to pray this prayer out loud with those who are praying it for the first time to encourage them, to let them know that we've got their back and we're alongside with them. So out loud, everybody say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Today I make you my everything. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.